This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Welcome to Jumping Bomb Audio. Welcome back to Jumping Bomb Audio, a show all about Joshi Pro Wrestling. I'm Aaron Bentley. I am joined by one of my favorite co-hosts, Taylor Mainberg. How are you, Taylor? I'm good. How are you doing? Uh, <laughs> at the be- at the opening of September, I can't believe it's already September 2020. Hard to believe. Uh, it's insane. I'm doing okay. Um, I was a, a little caught off guard this morning by a random visit from my in-laws and so I, i'm i'm a little uh off my game taylor now before we hopped on you said that they were over fixing something what were they fixing well my my father-in-law is just one of those folks who kind of always needs to be doing something so he pulled up and saw that my um the the place where you hook in your hose, you know, you're outside. You're, I mean, I, I guess you don't have this in like your New York City apartment, but like uh, imagine that you live like uh, in Kentucky where I do. And, uh, you know, you have a little place where you hook up your garden hose outside and uh, the faucet there was dripping and he wanted to fix that. So that was it. Was he successful? Did he fix the drip? He was not. He, uh, we did not have the tool that he needed. So he uh, has staved off the problem. Uh, until he can obtain the tool and return to fix it. Wow. Quite, quite, quite exciting. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you love home improvement talk. Boy, Uh, this is what I'm missing, not living in Kentucky and living in New York (laughs) instead of a dripping outside faucet. Well, you know, I mean, I've got a lot more space than you do. That's really what you're missing, I think. Yes, Uh, of course. But you also live in like a huge city with like lots of stuff going on. So. Uh, yeah, there's these trade-offs in life. Of course, just like just like with everything, like in Joshi this week, where a lot of fun things aired but haven't made tape yet. Yes, uh, a lot. Of, so the things airing is like living in New York. The things not making tape is like living in Kentucky. So uh, that's just that's what we're dealing with here. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about a lot of stuff today, but a lot. A lot of more stuff <laughs> happened, but we can't talk about it yet So, uh, because we haven't seen it. So we're going to save it and talk about it next time. Uh, before we get into everything, I want to remind you to please follow us on Twitter at Audio. You can find me at Aaron, like the car. Taylor's at Tay Mambo. Uh, subscribe to the show, please. Give us a rating and a review on, uh, if you use the Apple Podcast app, that really helps people find the show. And if you want to donate to the show, you can do so by going to redcircle.com slash shows slash jumping dash bomb dash audio. We got some news about a big kind of super promotion that appears to be forming. We'll talk about that. We'll update you on the stardom five-star Grand Prix. 
We're going to recap the Tokyo Joshi Pro Princess Cup finals. And then we've got, you know, a bunch of shows, uh, several that happened that we can actually talk about. I mean, they all happened, but several that aired that we can talk about. And then several more will just kind of remind you of that uh, didn't air. So we'll probably talk about them next time. And then, of course, we'll we'll tell you about some stuff that's coming up over the next two weeks. But let's get started with the big news that came out uh, a little about a week ago or so. Uh, Assemble, the promotion, new promotion, Assemble. What can you tell us about it, Taylor? So it uh, is a, as Aaron mentioned, a sort of super promotion that will be going on. They'll be holding... Um, a number of shows. There was some debate before the announcement was made that maybe it would be one giant super show, uh, sort of one-off, but it appears to be a, or it is hoping to be a regular running promotion. The plan, uh, they've said, is to hold shows every one to two months, depending on what everyone's schedules are. The promotions involved are Seedling, Sendai Girls, Oz Academy, Marvelous, T-Hearts, which is Yumiko Hoda's group, and Pure J. Those are sort of the officially involved groups. There is also some hope that Ice Ribbon, uh, Pro Wrestling Wave, and Stardom may become involved on a later show. They announced at the press conference that they had last week that they are going to be holding a show in October at the Amphitheater at Ueno Park. Um a uh, big reason for this is they've talked about to avoid sort of as we're still in the world of um, COVID that they are planning on holding um, or trying to hold shows outdoors to prevent any sort of outbreak. Um, to begin with, the promotions, you know, you think of a super promotion, you think of, oh, there's so many cross promotion matches that could happen, dream matches, especially with the addition of stardom. Um, but it appears for at least the beginning that they will be pretty divided. Um, on the first show, it will be promotions will sort of be sending an offer match. So it will be wrestlers from promotions facing other wrestlers from the same promotion um, as they try to minimize the contact between the promotions just in case anyone uh, is testing is positive without knowing it. They will have different dressing rooms. The ring will be set up by a different staff, all of these things. So there's still a lot up in the air as to what will happen with this promotion, how successful it will be, what it will look like sort of once we get out of this weird time in the world. Um, But a pretty exciting, uh, I think, at least for me personally, a pretty exciting development um, to see all these groups coming together to sort of try and help each other at this point in time when, you know, a lot of promotions, not just Joshi promotions, but promotions around the world are struggling with these new COVID uh, restrictions. And I know that um, I was excited. And actually this was an event that sort of broke through outside of the Joshi bubble. I saw a lot of people who I know don't regularly watch Joshi or watch Joshi at all talking about this, wondering about it debating about it and things like that. So hopefully um, this will be good for all the promotions involved. They'll be able to come together and really sort of help all of them at the same time by having these big shows. I think it's interesting that stardom is at least involved in some way, even if they're not going to have a match on the first show, just because 
they are, you know, less prone to all the issues that have been caused to promotions from COVID, uh, you know, since they have the Bushy Road backing. So I think it's interesting that they might be involved. Certainly, it speaks uh, well of them, I think, to be in there and helping, you know, your your pure Jays and your marvelouses that uh, are probably going to need the help a little more. Also, you know, it's just the fascinating part of like maybe Stardom and Seedling working together, Stardom and Ice Ribbon. There's like a lot of uh, fun things related to that. Yeah, there's a lot of sort of possibilities that could happen. We don't know. I think it will, might become uh, more clear after the first show and once they start really getting into the, as they said, they want to hold shows every one to two months. Once we get a few shows under our belts, you know, maybe in six months, Stardom has never sent anyone and maybe it's a thought that, you know, they back out and all of a sudden we're saying, well, this is a little bit, uh, less exciting than initially thought, but it will be interesting. You know, it's certainly good to see these promotions trying something new, trying to help each other rather than, you know, a Joshi world where they're all, you know, competing against each other, against each other, trying to trying to beat each other. You know, I'd rather see a, a Joshi universe where, um, they're helping each other, making each other better, and hopefully getting more new fans um, into all of these promotions uh, to really help them out. You know, because the the more fans they get, the more shows they can run at you know different places and things like that. So hopefully, it's good for for everyone involved. Yeah, and we can hold out hope for those actual dream matches later on. So. Exciting stuff. Uh, also, we found out some news about the Catch the Wave tournament. Yeah, so the Catch the Wave tournament was canceled. It was originally supposed to begin in August at the Corican show that Wave was going to have that was canceled because uh, of the of Yuki Miyazaki testing positive for COVID. Wave canceled a number of shows, including that Corican show where Catch the Wave was supposed to start. And I think now that there's sort of a little bit of apprehension um, with everyone about, you know, having people go from company to company because catch the wave, obviously with the number of, with 18 participants in it um, would have to draw from a lot of different outside companies. And I think there is some worry that now they've had a few outbreaks. They're very apprehensive to have a bunch of different people from different promotions come into their promotion because if one of them happened to be positive, all of a sudden you're talking about, you know, an outbreak throughout the entire Joshi world, uh, which which obviously everyone wants to avoid. Yeah, you could pretty easily shut down all the the promotions that aren't, you know, self-contained. So that would be uh, be bad for us, for sure. And, uh, you know, for all the people who like watching all the smaller promotions. Yeah, and there have been some other... Uh, the the rookie tournament that Sendai's having, we talked about it before that Mesa pulled out of that. She was supposed to be in the second round. I think some of that was the same sort of decision to say, well, we're a little bit concerned about, you know, sending this person here because if someone has it, she brings it back to Gato Moves, Chaco Pro. Um, so I think you're going to I think you're going to see at least for the next few months. Um, a little bit more caution in terms of, you know, cross promotion wrestling. Now it's not, that doesn't mean it's going to totally shut down, but 
you know, you may sort of see things like this and see promotions more apprehensive to bring in a lot of different outside talent. It just sucks. I mean, I don't know. Frankly, I don't know what a lot of these women do outside of wrestling. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know what their ability is to earn money uh, when when you can't run as many shows, especially your freelancers who aren't aren't tied to any one promotion. So it's just uh, it's a tough time for everybody. Yeah, it's sort of, you know, everyone's doing the best that they can, but everyone's sort of, and part of the reason, you know, they talked about part of the reason for putting Assemble together was to try and help these promotions out that have been, you know, that have been sort of forced into these struggles out of their own control. You know, I think about, you know, these promotions running Corican, which are usually the big shows, and they get a lot of, you know, even if they don't fill the building, they get 600, 700 people. Um, I know Ice Ribbon had a, a Corican last week, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. I saw but the attendance number is 342, and you think, oh, God, no one went. But that's a lot because, you know, of these restrictions of attendance. And so even even the sort of bigger promotions are being put into situations where even if, you know, people want to come, they can't because the building which used to hold – you know, I think about Shinkibo, which used to hold 300 people now or 400 people now only holds 200. Um, and so you're really put in a tough spot in terms of making the money to, to put on these shows. Yeah. When you cut your revenue in half, you know, that, uh, that means a lot more to uh, Ice Ribbon, I'm sure, than it does to Cyber Agent or whatever. So. Yeah, and I don't know what the, you know, I don't know anything about the finances of really any of these companies, what they are, who's, you know, obviously except for Stardom and Tokyo Joshi, which have big backers. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, they're running these shows, you know, at a, at a total break even or maybe a loss just because there's not enough, bot you can't get enough bodies in the building to make the money you need. But if you don't run then you're really doing nothing. Then you're just losing money by doing nothing. So, yeah, you know, I've been pleasantly surprised that it seems like none of the promotions have are in dire straits. Like I know, um, you know, there was a lot of talk about Big Japan um, being in trouble um, and things like that where they did a they did a fundraising drive to try and raise money to keep the promotion alive um which is a bit scary and nothing to my knowledge is that close in Joshi but you you know you never know if this goes on for another x number of months whether it gets to that point where a company has to sort of you know it's sort of sink or swim absolutely i mean you even during this, it's like, yeah, maybe you are breaking even, but you want to stay in the public consciousness, I would imagine. You know, even if you have to run a show that makes, you know, 10 bucks or whatever. It's like, well, at least we're doing shows and keeping our fans engaged, um, assuming that everybody stays safe so that uh, you can, once everything is like okay to run full capacity shows again, you know, two years from now, <laughs> then, uh, you know, your fans could come back. So, well, let's move over into. Uh, Stardom, the five-star Grand Prix, of course, Stardom coming off a big break because of COVID because they had, uh, I think, I mean, they never really told us much about it, but I think they ended up with two people who who tested positive, if I'm correct about that. Uh, and they took 
over two weeks off. They came back on September 5th at Shinkiba First Ring. They also ran uh, the next day, September 6th, at uh, Sendai Pit uh, in Sendai. So the thing about it is we've only seen two of these matches. And I, frankly, I've only seen one of these matches. The previous, uh, previously discussed random um, appearance of my in-laws stopped me from watching the Utami versus Azumi match. So I've only seen the 9-5 Konami versus Mayu Iwatani match. Um, what do you want to do here, Taylor? Do you want to run down the... Now let's talk about the matches that we've seen first, and then let's run down everything else. Does that sound okay to you? Sounds good to me. Okay, so the, the September 5th main event that we both seen, this is in the red block, Konami defeated Mayu Iwatani with the triangle arm lock. A big surprise to me. Yeah, surprising result. You know, I think Konami is someone who these tournaments come up a lot and people go, oh, Konami might do well, might do well. And then it turns out, you know, she doesn't do poorly, but she sort of finishes in the middle or, you know, upper middle. So I was sort of surprised. I figured she was sort of destined for that point again. But, you know, she won here. And as we'll talk about in a a few minutes, uh, she won again on the sixth. So looking, um, seemingly putting um, together some momentum I know someone we didn't really uh, go that in-depth in the last time we talked about, you know, who we thought could finish at the top of the block. But it looks like, you know, building momentum, looking good. Don't know what will happen in the future, but uh, certainly certainly a a little bit surprising, although maybe long uh, hoped for or expected by probably a lot of the fans. Yeah, it was like I I try to – now, when it's five-star, because there's so many shows, I don't really go out of my way super hardcore to like avoid spoilers because it's like, ah, eh, there's just so many matches. It would be impossible. So I kind of like, usually once I start seeing the stardom account tweeting results, I like mute them. And then, you know, as soon as I wake up, I'll unmute them, you know, the next morning or whatever, if uh, I go to bed during the show. So, but on this one, I like accidentally saw it and I thought it said that Mayu won. So I'm like watching this match and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is OK. You know, like I see uh, Konami's working the submissions. Mayu's getting to the ropes. Mayu's getting her big comebacks. Konami kind of takes control. And I'm just watching it the whole time. Like, OK, just like waiting for Mayu to hit the big move, it, like turns it. And then it was like, oh, that wasn't like. That not what we were waiting for. It was just that Konami was taking control of the match and Mayu was trying to survive, but then she couldn't. You know, so it's like uh, it was a uh, terrifically surprising finish for me. Uh, and it really changed the tenor of the match in a lot of ways. Yeah, I thought for a good portion of the match, I was sort of like, yeah, this is a, you know, this is a fun little match. And then there was a sequence of sort of three things out of the corner where Konami hit a double stomp on Mayu's back and then did a a something I haven't seen, sort of a submission, a hanging submission in the corner uh, on Mayu and then did the uh, drop kick to the back of Mayu's head, which looked uh, which looked pretty wild. That really sort of kicked the match into the next gear for me, and I ended up really liking um, this match you know, that sort of kicked it into the next gear, into the finish, uh, which was which was very surprising. I mean, Mayu talked uh, before the match in her promo about she only had two points, or she only has two points so far. 
and needed to get the win and doesn't get the win. So sort of a, a, a little bit of a surprise. Um, but overall, I thought it was a, a, a good match, a fun match. And as I said, that the finishing sequence was uh, was pretty great for me. All right, so let me ask you this. I'm going to out myself as being a little bit of a dummy, but we didn't talk about this last episode, so uh, maybe I'm not the only co-host of this show who who didn't realize this. All right, at the 928 Coraquin that Stardom announced, there's going to be an Oedo Tai versus Tokyo Cyber Squad match, and if Tokyo Cyber Squad loses, they disband. But... I have just recently learned that was already scheduled for the Yokohama shows. Did you know that? <laughs> uh, I did know that. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for mentioning it on this show to inform me. You know, I do this show to learn more about Joshi. Well, I don't know why it wouldn't have been mentioned because I think the time when we were going to, I think we did a show and the, and the card hadn't, hadn't been announced or just maybe one or two matches had been announced. And then by the time we did the next show, the show had been canceled. So I, so then at that point, there was no reason to talk about what the card was because the show had, was not happening at that point. I think that might've been why that, why that was missed on the show. Although I don't know if, I don't know if my timing is correct, but I remember we didn't really ever talk about the Yokohama show just because I think the timing between us doing the show, them announcing it, and then them announcing it was canceled, meant that we never really got to cover it on the show. That may be true. Uh, I just know that when I saw this was happening, I was stunned to find out that it had already been scheduled. <laughs> this is like the promotion I keep up with the closest, and I and I missed that completely. So felt like a pretty big dummy on that. Um, I guess we'll talk about that more as it as it comes. But I just assume that. Tokyo Cyber Squad is being disbanded, right? Um, I yes, I would assume that for a number of reasons. Yeah, um, there. I I saw some talk that uh, Bushi Road is going to give the. I'm not exactly sure how trademark works in Japan, but you know what we would consider trademarks: the the Hana trademark and the Tokyo Cyber Squad trademark to Kyoko, uh, so that she can sell merchandise if she wishes to do so. So I assume that's part of this and, and them being disbanded. Uh, I guess it's a good time to remind everyone or tell everyone, if you don't know, that uh, Kyoko Kimura has, has set up a pro wrestling tea shop. You can buy uh, some HANA t-shirts and all that money goes to Kyoko. So uh, if you're interested in doing that or you're looking for some way to help out Kyoko Kimura right now, that's one way you can do it. All right, well, let's move into the rest of the show's well, no, let's, we'll talk about, tell us about the, the 9-6 Utami and Azumi match. I haven't seen it, but I, I do know that Utami wins. Well, it's so funny, you know, not to sort of guilt you for not watching it, but I, I watched it uh, today or before the show, and I sort of watched it, and it felt sort of like something that um, sort of goes in one ear and out the other. Where I watched it, I was like, yeah, this is a match. It's happening, um, you know. It's fine. And then it came to the end. Uh, Utami hit a suplex and won. And I was like, ooh, a suplex. Exciting. And I thought that that was going to be the move into like, okay, here we go. And then the match just sort of ended. And I was like, oh, uh, okay. And I remember finishing and going, oh, I I hope Aaron has some thoughts on this match. Uh, <laughs> but obviously you don't. Um, Oops. It just sort of felt like a match that was there for me. Um, it w- certainly wasn't bad. And by any stretch, but 
it's just a match that ends and you're like, I don't really have much to say about it. The outcome is not all that surprising. Utami's doing very well in the tournament and is obviously near the top of the, you know, maybe not at the top, but near the top of the promotion and is doing well in the tournament. Um, but yeah, overall, just sort of just sort of a there match for me. I literally was uh, on Stardom World pulling the match up when my wife jumped up and she's like, oh, my parents are here. It's like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> and so I was very confused and uh, yeah, I didn't get a chance to watch the match. I mean, it's my fault. I got up uh, and I, I, I slept in a little because we did the we did a live instant reaction show after All Out last night, which we didn't finish until like 2 a.m. <laughs> so I, I slept in a little and uh, was watching the uh, F1 race this morning. And it was uh, such an exciting finish that I was like hanging out watching the post show for some time. And so I, I screwed myself and all that. It was It's my fault in the end. Well, it happens. That's that's yeah. life. Um, I don't know. Maybe Maybe people will... Uh... Tell me I'm wrong about this match and that it was quite exciting. That does happen from time to time. But um yeah, just sort of a just sort of a there match, an interesting I mean, looking at nine six, sort of an interesting main event. Um, because there's a few other matches, maybe not a few, but maybe one. Uh another match that I might say, oh, that in my mind would have been the main event, but you know, want to give different people a chance at the at the top, especially when you got so many matches going on and now you've got, you know, all of these previously scheduled sort of small shows crammed into a smaller number of big shows, um, you know, give someone Utami Azumi a chance to uh, main event a show. All right, well, let's run down the results from these two shows and then we'll look at where the points stand. Um, let's see. Let's start on nine five. We had Tom Nakano defeating Deft Yamasan, Himika defeating Starlight Kid, Jungle Kiona defeating Azumi, Julia defeated Sayaka Mikani, Natsuko Tora defeated Momo Watanabe, and as the previously discussed, Konami defeated Mayu. Then on 9-6, I, I mean, I see a couple that could have could have main evented this. Uh, Momo defeated Shuri, but this was a forfeit. Shuri did not work the show they said at the time she had a, a family issue, and we, we later learned that, very sadly, her mother passed away. So I'm not sure how long she's going to be away from the promotion, uh, but they decided just to uh, give Momo the win. And I think Momo wrestled Saki Kashima instead in, in a non-tournament match. She did. Yeah. We, ha- uh, we had uh, Jungle Kiona getting her second win, finally. She beated Saya. She beated. She defeated Sayaida. Uh, Sayakamitani went to a draw with Himika. Uh, can't wait to see what a twenty-minute draw between Tall Saya and the Jumbo Princess looks like. Uh, Tom defeated Starlight Kid. Natsuko defeated Micah. Konami defeated Julia. That would seem like an obvious main event to me. And yes, Utami defeated Azumi. Okay, let's look at where the points stand so that we can all kind of contextualize this rather than just like, here's a block of all the results. So in the red block, after her draw with Himika, I'm sorry, with uh, Tal Saya, Himika still on top of the block at seven points. She's got Tom and Konami right below her with six points, Julia with four points, 
Mayu and Starlight Kid, only two points. Tall Saya has one point and Death Yamasan has zero points. So judging, you know, what we know now about the red block, Taylor, has this changed your mind at all about uh, how this could end up? Well, as I mentioned, Konami seemingly uh, building a lot of momentum. And, you know, we talked a lot about how, you know, depending on who comes out of the blue block, we still don't know who that will be. You know, it may be that the red block provides um, the person who, you know, loses in the finals, maybe someone strong. So that could be someone like Konami. Um, maybe that, maybe she gets to the finals and loses and that's the sort of, uh, chain she needs. You know, if Tokyo cyber squad is going to disband at the end of the month, um, the big question would be where do the wrestlers currently in the group go? Do they, you know, is there some other group form? Do they end up, um, with some other group? Is it that in the middle of the match, one of them turns on the group? You know, it could be, you know, you never know. It could be the Konami turns on Tokyo Cyber Squad and joins Oedo Tai, which could be, you know, I'm frustrated because I got to the finals and I lost. You know, maybe she loses. Maybe um, not to not to be so positive uh, because I've been Mr. Negative on the show, but maybe she loses to Jungle Kiona in the finals. Um, and that's the reason to turn on her or something like that. So. So, yeah, I think I see it a little bit different. I'm a little bit shocked by Julia um, down at only four points. I figured that she would be at or near the top pretty much until the end. I don't know. I don't. I still don't think that she was destined for the finals, um, but I figured with how strong she's been pushed that she would be, you know, she'd be right in the thick of it until the last day and then maybe, you know miss out by one point or something like that. So that that's probably the most surprising thing to me in the red block. If I'm not mistaken, Mayu at this point would have to win out. And I mean, she can only get to eight points is what I'm getting to. I'm pretty sure that's true. So, you know, it's going to be very hard for Mayu to win. Um, and even, you know, Julia, I think can only get to 10 points. So, I, I had, I think I predicted that uh, Himika would come out of this block. So I still, still feel pretty good about that. The draw with Sayakamitani, I assume will loom large later. Uh, but I haven't looked enough at the, the upcoming matches to uh, have a strong sense of how I think that's going to end up screwing either her or somebody else. But uh, I think it's interesting. And yeah, everybody on top here, Himika, Tom, Konami, kind of fill that role of your somewhat surprising person to make it to the finals who can who can lose to your eventual winner which is still how I see this playing out. Yeah, I see to me I guess the draw to me the draw reads as um the draw reads as Himika is going to end up 1 point short of someone. I don't know who that will be. It could be Tom or Konami who are very close. It just that's how it reads to me doing doing a draw. Um you don't see a ton of draws in tournaments like this, round robin tournaments like this and usually I feel like usually draws like this factor into the end as oh you missed it by 1 point rather than oh you ended up 1 point over someone below you and got into the finals. Well, interestingly, 
Himika, her last night match is with Konami. So you can certainly see that being, you know, the the decider in this block. Yeah. Tom's last match is with Mayu. So they would really have to do some magic for Mayu to still be in the mix at that point. Uh, But yeah, at this point, it certainly seems possible that it's going to come down to that Himika-Konami match. In the blue block, we have Utami leading the way with six points. This block's still pretty wide open. Utami's leading the way. Micah, Shuri, Momo, Kiona, Natsuko, all on four points. Azumi on two points. Saeeda, uh, all by her lonesome with zero points. So anybody can still win the blue block. Yeah, one and of course, one question you have, Momo winning that Shuri match by forfeit. Now that could have been in the plans and then all of a sudden nothing's messed up and you just sort of keep going. If it was meant to go the other way, then Momo has sort of become deceivingly um, sort of in the mix where if she would have lost, she would have been at, you know, she would have been at two points looking, uh, having it look a little tougher for her to win the block. But hard to say, don't know. Um, But yeah, it just looks to me, from looking at the names that are closer to the top here, it seems like the winner, and I think we said this last show, the winner is going to come out of this block, the winner of the whole thing. Yeah, I'm still on Utami and Kiona as uh, your your most likely winners. I still think Utami is the most likely winner, although I feel dumb because I'm saying the, the people in the lead are going to win. <laughs> but, uh, but nothing has happened to really put me off of that at this point. The, yeah, it's true. But it certainly seems like the block that is going to come down to, there's probably going to be, in the red block, it feels like um, the Konami-Himika match is going to be sort of the one match on the last day that it's like, this is the match to pay attention to. Where on the blue block, it seems like there could be on the last day multiple matches to look out for to see who's going to come out of the block. Utami finishes up with Shuri, and Kiona finishes up with Momo. So those both kind of interesting at this point. Um, I don't know that when Momo lost to Natsuko, that signaled to me that, you know, Momo was not going to be a factor in this. And, you know, maybe she was also intended to lose to Shuri. It's hard to say because you can, it seems to me like that Utami Shuri match is intended to be, uh, you know, very important. Hopefully, uh, I mean, obviously she should uh, deal with her, her family things first, but hopefully Shuri can get back quickly enough that you know they can figure out how to how to book their way around whatever they were intending to do but uh yeah it's it's hard to say what they intended to do with with momo but uh kiona you know as i talked about she's after losing though what the first two matches she's won her next two she can still win out and, and be a factor sure um <laughs> uh, okay do you want to look ahead in stardom or do you just want to we'll talk about that when we look at upcoming shows? Well, let's look ahead just because we're we're sort of in it now. Yeah. Um, just so we don't go away from it. And there's quite a lot of the list of matches that are happening sort of in rapid succession is is quite daunting. Um, <laughs> I said to you before we started recording. I'm sort of surprised that they have non, you know, we didn't discuss the non-tournament matches that happened um, on the last two nights. It's sort of surprising to me that they're doing any non-tournament matches with so many tournament matches now crammed onto these shows. 
And I, I apologize for, uh, I mean, I don't apologize, but I'm going to plug my own thing right now, which is I do daily audio updates about five star, whatever they post that day. I talk about on uh, the everything elite Patreon, patreon.com slash everything elite. So if you want to hear updates, uh, you know, pretty regularly, I'm going to do one on Monday to, to cover what they've posted over the weekend. And then I would assume Based on this, the fact that they have two shows on the 12th, one show on the 13th, I'll be doing daily updates uh, for basically the rest of my life until uh, this tournament's over. So let's look at two, I mean, just big shows on the 12th. Uh, Jungle Kiona versus Nako Tora, Utami versus Saya Ida, Azumi versus Shuri, Himika versus Death Yamasan, Tall Saya versus Tom, Starlight Kid versus Julia, Mayu versus Death. So, like that can't be true because I just said some people twice. Um, because I just who, said death. Oh, twice. you said death twice. Does she have two matches? Because I know we were talking before we started about how some people have two matches on the last night. Now that they mix things up again, is that the only name you said twice? Though, I think it might be. Yeah, I think so. Um. No, yeah. I no, I think it's true that Death just has two matches. Yeah, I, I think I, I think that's correct. I guess with Death, you just think, well, not not. I mean, this is not a spoiler, but not a contender to win this uh, to win no, this I, tournament. But so I just think she's eliminated. Team. Actually, at this point, I think she's mathematically yes, because she has zero uh, points. I think she can only get six points, and Himika has seven. So I don't yes, very true. Win. Yeah, so. You know, just give her two two matches. Uh, yeah, it's a bit strange looking at these uh, to see people with two matches on the same night because that's, you know, they were obviously sort of put in a bad situation with the shows being canceled, but it is a bit strange to see people wrestling uh, twice, twice in one night uh, in a round-robin tournament. That sounds uh, very tiring. Yes, uh, but yeah, the, the Kiona-Natsuko match is obviously very important for her uh for her chances and then you know you see whether julia gets on track uh so there's some interesting stuff in the day show the night show this is my shit momo versus utami on the night show kiona versus micah uh saida versus shuri himika versus mayu that's a big match uh death versus tall saya and starlight kid versus konami so there's a lot of fun stuff on the 12th yeah i mean we talked about you know they've been put in a bad situation with these shows but one positive about these shows is now the few shows that we do have you know we're talking about four four shows even though two of them are happening on the same day i mean these are now stacked shows i mean they should totally um you know sell out these all these shows will probably sell out because these are like a number of matches that probably in the regular world, as they did, you would spread out over a bigger number of shows. But now, you know, you're really sort of getting super shows here from stardom. Yeah. And you're getting them in Fukuoka. I mean, (laughs) how many times do you think they've gone to Fukuoka and done shows with, with uh, this level of card? Yeah, probably, probably not often, which is probably another reason why it will, you know, I haven't looked at the ticket sales even, um, but, I would not be surprised at all if it, they were already completely sold out. Yes, the the good people of Fukuoka will uh, really get a nice show here. So uh, that'll be exciting. And then uh, there's the big Korokuen show on the last night, but we'll we can 
preview that one more. Um, I think we'll – no, we won't do a show before that happens, will we? Damn. We won't. No, we'll do a show uh, the day uh, the day after. <laughs> wow. So we'll you know, be talking it is about – We'll get a lot of stardom. We'll cover a lot, you know, three shows worth of stardom, uh, which we yeah. haven't gotten because they've seemingly um, figured out our schedule and planned their entire <laughs> promotion around doing shows the day before we record. <laughs> yeah, so it's, we don't get to actually talk about the matches. We'll just get to talk about... Uh, well, that really sucks because that means I'm going to have to uh, spoil myself on the whole last day before uh, before our show. So I'm bummed about that now, but... Uh, yeah. Well, anyway, a lot of in the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark until now. Introducing slab packs from arena club.com. The only repack that provides real value a complete view of all possible cards and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like You know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun. And sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, ah, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs. And it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Good matches coming up from Stardom. Uh, I hope you'll come check out my my daily updates, but there's going to be a lot to talk about. So that's Stardom. Uh, let's move over into Tokyo Joshi Pro. They, of course, had their big tournament, uh, the Tokyo Princess Cup. They just had the finals on August 29th. Um, do you want to go down the whole card or you just want to talk about the, the tournament matches? 
Um, I mean, I think I can just, I think just talking generally about the tournament, I don't have that much to say about the, um, non-tournament matches. Sure. They're just kind uh, of, just kind of random, uh, six person tags generally on the rest of the card. Yeah. All fun. And I thought that this was by far the best show of the entire tournament. I mean, that's not a huge surprise when, you know, you have the semifinals with four of the best wrestlers in the company taking up, you know, half of the card. Um, but I thought that this was easily the most fun um, and the, and the best show in ring wise from the whole tournament. Yeah. And I, I specifically liked um, the, the final six person tag, the uh, Miyu Watanabe, Rika Tatsumi, Suzume uh, versus Hikari Noe, Noah, Natsumi Maki and Palm Harajuku. That was a really fun tag. Yeah, and I thought, you know, one thing I thought, I was very happy to see Mizuki uh, win because she's my favorite wrestler in Tokyo Joshi. Excited to see the uh, Magical Sugar Rapids explode match um, that will be happening down the line. Uh, It was funny, though. Last show I said, oh, maybe Maki Ito wins because they've been waiting for her to get better at wrestling and maybe it's not going to happen. And I thought her match against uh, Mizuki in the semifinals, the first match, the first Princess Cup match of this card, I thought it was really good. Um, I thought it was an excellent match. I thought Maki looked really good. Obviously, Mizuki is very super talented, so she was great. But I thought that it was maybe the strongest match on the entire card. Um, you know, quick paced, went under 13 minutes, so uh, didn't mess around. And you know, probably my favorite match of the tournament. The Ido Mizuki match was your favorite match of the tournament. I think so. Yeah. Oh. I, I mean, I liked it. I don't think it was... It was definitely not my favorite match of the tournament. Uh, I meant to make a ratings, or like a list, and I forgot to do that. So, sorry, everybody. You won't care in two weeks uh, about my top five matches from the Tokyo uh, Princess Cup. Uh, but, no, it, this definitely was not going to be my favorite match. But it, it was a lot of fun. I thought, well, I was going to say something else about Mizuki, but let's we'll talk about that after uh, we talk about the final. Um I mean, frankly, I, I even liked the the Miyu versus Shoko Nakajima match more than I liked the Makito versus Mizuki match. Interesting. Hmm. Well, I don't know. It just had there was like a thing through this whole tournament for me of I didn't the, the things the matches that separated themselves from the others were the ones that were like particularly energetic, particularly urgent. It's like this is a single elimination tournament, and I didn't feel like every match had that urgency of I got to win this particular match to to advance and to have a chance of going for the championship. And so uh, the match with, with Miyu and Shoko, I thought, had that urgency. You could really feel like how important it was uh, to, to both wrestlers. And so I don't know. That's kind of what separated a lot of these for me. I mean, I think the way, sometimes the way stardom, does, like the uh, the Cinderella tournament where they do like the 10-minute I think it's a 10 minute time limit match. Uh, I think that kind of speeds up. It kind of uh, arbitrarily uh, manufactures that uh, urgency. And I think they probably could have used some of that uh, in this tournament. Yeah. And also they do for that tournament, they do the over the top rope yeah. uh, stipulation as well, which I also think you're right. Adds a little bit of, you know, then anyone can beat anyone because if you just happen to push someone over the top rope or someone falls over the top rope, then you've won the match and you don't have to say, okay, this person who's below 
you know, person X who's below person Y doesn't have to go in and, and pin them or submit them to win. You know, they, it could just be, oh, it was a fluke and this person went over the top rope and they lost. Yeah. Now, I think the Princess Cup, I'm not sure if this is, if everybody agrees with this, but I feel like maybe this seems a little more prestigious than the Cinderella tournament. Maybe because this is Tokyo Joshi Pro's big tournament and the princess and the uh, Cinderella term is definitely like secondary to the five star. Um, so I'm, so I'm not sure you would want to add the over the top rope to this. Uh, but I do think, you know, the, the shorter time limit and just adding a little more urgency uh, would have been, would have been helpful. Yeah. And I will say that, you know, I talked about, Oh, you can get upsets, but really looking at this finals, you're not looking at it going, Oh, so-and-so, I would have never thought that, you know, you wouldn't say, oh, I would have never thought that Shoko Nakajima would be in the finals. Of course, these are sort of four people who, if you looked at the bracket and you said, who do you think would be in the final four? There was probably six or maybe eight people who you would say, realistically, if this is based on, you know, just basing it on who's the top of the promotion, who are the best wrestlers, who are the crowd favorites, I mean, these are four people that probably a lot of people would have picked to be in the final. So it isn't like a Cinderella. Well, I was going to say it isn't like someone's making a Cinderella run. I mean, that's sort of in the general sense, not in the stardom sense of the Cinderella tournament. Um, So, yeah, they probably don't need that because they don't need that sort of out to get someone unexpected into the finals. At least they didn't this year. Um, But, yeah, I think short, I think shortening the time limit. I think would definitely add excitement. Well, it's also not yet as deep of a roster. You know, like you can see it happening for them, but they have, as we've talked before on the show, they have like a very clear top tier. And then there's a lot of people below that. So it kind of makes sense in this thing for, for your best wrestlers to, to be the winners. I mean, you know, you know, Yuka Sakazaki was someone else you could have imagined in the final four, but of course she's the champion. So uh, this made sense. Uh, built to Mizuki versus Shoko Nakajima. For the the final, um, this is, I guess, a boring chalk pick. But uh, frankly, I thought this was the best match of the tournament. Uh, the most urgency, the most intensity. It was the best crowd reaction of the tournament. Uh, after sitting through all out last night, I was reminded a lot of how important a uh, good crowd is. <laughs> and they got it in this match. Um, just felt like a fight, which is what I like to see in wrestling. So this was a match I really liked a lot. As Taylor mentioned, Mizuki won. Uh, and is your your champion? Well, the champion of the Princess Cup, <laughs> not the champion. It's the another word for that is the winner. <laughs> yes, if you will, uh, the winner of the tournament. Yes, yeah, good pick. As I said, Mizuki is my favorite wrestler in the promotion. I think that she's actually um, pretty underrated, um, sort of in the in the Joshi world at large. Uh, certainly last year, the Magical Sugar Rabbits tag champion run, I think in a, a more just world where Joshi sort of receives the mainstream coverage that all other wrestling seems to receive. I think the Magical Sugar Rabbits would have, uh, if not if not been the tag team of the year, been certainly up there in contention for tag team of the year as they had that run where they seemingly went out every show and had four-star matches. Um, So excited that she won, excited for the uh, future title opportunity that she will receive because I'm sure that that match will be very, very good. 
um, against Yuka. So all in all, very pleased, um, very pleased with this tournament. Aaron, what what are your overall thoughts on Mizuki winning and and the tournament in general? Well, the tournament overall, I, mean, I kind of just talked about some of my issues, but overall, like I thought it was a lot of fun, easy to watch, easily digestible for me. I kind of uh, just I watched two or three of these shows live, so you know it's easy promotion to watch live because they aired about 11 p.m. I think Eastern time, so uh, that was nice. And Mizuki winning, I think, is great. A uh, friend of the show, Matt SDL, commented after we uh, were talking about the biggest star in Tokyo Joshi Pro, and he was telling me that. Mizuki has the longest birch lines in Japan. He was saying Mizuki is probably the biggest star in the promotion in Japan. So I think it's really interesting that you have a chance now to take someone who the fans are already invested in and, you know, cement them on that top rung of the, of the promotion. So it would make a lot of sense to me for Mizuki to come through this and win and, uh, you know, find herself in that top tier we've been talking about. It's interesting to me that they're, holding this match off until November. Like that seems like a long time uh, before this match is going to happen. Well, I was looking at the schedule um, to look at the upcoming shows. They don't have really that many. Well, they certainly don't really have any big shows. I don't think they have a, you know, Corican or anything like that scheduled. And that's usually when they hold those uh, matches. And I guess the other thing would be, if you have it before then, then you have to make sort of a quick turnaround if you hold it, for example, at the end of September or something like that. I'm just making up a date. Then you've only got one month or so to sort of build up a new contender over a limited number of shows. You know, they don't run that many shows. Um, so it makes sense to me. You know, it gives you time to really build the match between these two, you know, really build it up, hype it up, get people to want to come to this show. I'm sure that they'll add, you know, I'm sure they'll add a tag title match to the show because this is going to be their biggest show in the promotions history. Um, so it is, a, it is unfortunately for us a long time to wait. Um, but I think it's an appropriately big match for, as I mentioned, what will be their biggest show in the company's history. And, you know, haven't planned this out yet, but presumably it will happen uh, the day before or the day after we record or something dumb that will. All right, well, those are the big shows that have happened. Well, the big shows that have happened and aired over the past two weeks. Uh, there are a lot of other shows that have happened uh, and whether they've aired or not, uh, you'll find out soon. So, Taylor, you want to lead us through our Spark Notes section of the show with, with some other shows that have been going on? Yeah, so I guess I'll lead off with shows that, um, have happened but have not aired yet. Um, the first one is the big Oz Academy show that we talked about uh, last time. I was hopeful that the show would be up um, by the time we did this show so that we could cover it. It's a very big show. Um, unfortunately, it's not airing until September 13th. It will be on Gayora. Um, so when that airs, we will watch it and we'll definitely cover it on the show. It hasn't aired yet. And in fact, I haven't um, amazingly for a show that happened last week, I have not been spoiled on any of the um, results or events of that show. Um, I tried to avoid them because I am quite excited for that show. I think it's going to be really good. 
So we will cover that next show after it airs. The big Diana show that had the return of Siri had the um, Diana title match and the tag title match. That happened on August 30th. That also has not aired yet. I thought that it might show up on their YouTube like their other shows have, but I think for an, for a big show like this, uh, they saved it. That's going to be on Nico Pro on September 11th. So we will also watch and cover that show next time. Um, as well as there was a Pure J show with two title matches on August 30th. Uh, that has not aired yet. It will air on Nico Pro on September 12th. So we'll cover that next show. And then the Ice Ribbon August 29th show, which had the uh, Kazuna Tag Tournament, as well as a WUW title match. Um, that did air on the Ice Ribbon channel for an extra fee, but that will be airing on Nico. Pro on September 10th, so I have not watched that show yet, but we'll watch it when it's on Nico, and we'll talk about it next time. So those are sort of the big four shows that have happened, but have not aired, so we will talk about them next time. Now, for shows that happened and did air, Chaco Pro still, um, you know, plugging along. They had their first in-ring show in the promotions history for uh, number 44. It was main evented by a a great match between Chris Brooks and Lulu Pencil, uh, where the winner would get to keep Lulu's Pencil Army hat. Um, There was a big talk before the show about Lulu being in the main event, and she wanted to challenge for the DDT Universal title, uh, but Brooks said no. And so Lulu's hat was put up for grabs in that main event. It was a fun show. They had a little bit of uh, technical difficulties. So part of the show um, did not make it up, or at least when I was watching it, I, I missed one of the matches. But the main event is up on their YouTube channel in full. It's a great match, and I recommend that you search it out. Uh, Wave has been airing a lot of their shows on YouTube. They had a show on August 23rd, on September 1st, and one actually just a few hours ago um, on September 6th. Um, The 823 show had – it was quite a lot of fun. It had the return of Mio Momono, who we haven't really talked about on this show, marvelous wrestler, who I think is excellent but has been injured. For quite a long time, she was injured for many months, came back last year, and after I think only a handful of shows, injured was injured again and missed quite a lot of time. She is back. I think Mio is one of the uh, top wrestlers in all of Joshi, super fun to watch, uh, highly energetic. I'm really glad that she's back. She was on the Wave Show on 823 and the Wave Show on 9-1. It was really great seeing her. That Wave 823 show also had uh, Hirohe versus Mayumi Ozaki. That was a lot of fun to see. Not often, you know, you see the sort of Oz Academy hijinks outside of Oz Academy. So that was a lot of fun and easily accessible on their YouTube. You can go back and watch all of them on demand. The 9-6 show had a three-way Hirohe versus Maya Yuki versus Andres Miyagi 
making an appearance in Wave, and also a Wave title match between Nozaki and Sakura Hirota, and also a second match for Hiroe on that show versus Asuka. So quite exciting. Wave also announced their first new trainee in a long, long time, uh, Shizuki Tsukata, uh, who uh, apparently has experience in apparatus gymnastics, so is quite athletic. Um, so that will be fun to see as Hiroe leaves her retirement coming up in about a week or so. She leaves and will be replaced by a new trainee, which is quite exciting. And finally, uh, Sendai Girls aired a show on YouTube from August 22nd. I have to say, usually I'm very positive about all these shows. This, for me, a big-time skip. If you haven't seen it, I would advise um, you don't need to see it. It was one of, one of, if not the quietest show I've ever heard, wrestling show I've ever heard in my life. The loudest sound on the show, I think, was the air conditioning unit, uh, which was running in the background. I actually thought for the first match or so that it was an empty um, arena show, but it just turned out that people were very quiet. You know, we'll talk about this maybe more in the future, but Sendai Girls, you know, a lot of these promotions, they had to take time off or they were running sort of these smaller shows during the time when there was this lockdown in Japan. And a lot of these promotions have come back really, really afire. You know, know, we can talk about Seedling, um, which came back with, you know, Yoshiko winning the title and all this tag title stuff. We can talk about, you know, Diana doing big things with Seri coming back, you know, Pure J having all these title matches, Ice Ribbon with the Suzu Suzuki title win. A lot of exciting things happen, and it feels like Sendai Girls has come back, and it's sort of just been, hey, let's put on some cards with some wrestlers on it and go out there and have, you know, sort of a just a show and that's it. And I think Sendai Girl still very much operates in the world of, oh, if we just sort of put on fun shows, you know, people will follow us and like us because we've got some fun wrestlers. But I think a lot of promotions across the world of Joshi are upping their game in terms of, you know, the types of matches they're presenting, storylines, things like that. And I think in a way, Sendai Girls is being um, a little bit left behind in that aspect. So something to look out for um, in the future. And finally... In, in their defense, Taylor, they have yes. to farm all day. I mean, uh, when you're that out is true. That working, is true. working in the fields all day, I mean, it's hard to like really find the energy to, to do big, crazy matches after that. That is very true. I didn't take that into account, the farming... Uh, which is um, I'm gonna need you to stop being anti-worker on this show Uh, (laughs) I have a long history of pro labor podcasts and I would appreciate if you would respect the labor of the Sendai girls roster thank you yes the farming I didn't talk about the farming you're exactly right the farming is very important Um, I apologize I apologize to you Aaron Um, apologize to uh, Mika Iwata and the rest of the bunch please but I'm hoping maybe for future shows, maybe they could do like an hour less of farming <laughs> and do slightly better or and more interesting shows. Why can Mika Iwata farm, but she can't wrestle? Can someone explain that to me? Here's also my here's also my question. So they're busy in the they're busy in the fields working farming. 
Does that prevent them from thinking up running any storyline in any of their shows? <laughs> well, I think that predates the farming, really. It's like Mako's like, oh, I'm so tired. I can't even think right now. I can't even. <laughs> What's the matches? Okay, who do I have? Okay, you against you. You Okay, great. I think that's why people got so worked by the uh, Shuri Chiro Hashimoto thing. They're like, they've never seen a story in Sendai Girls before. So they're like, oh, it's like the 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 meme of like the guy with the butterfly, you know, that's from some uh, anime that everyone who watches anime is like laughing at me right now. But um, it's like anything happens and people are like, is this a storyline? But it's not. It's Sendai Girls, baby. No, nope. the storyline is... This person has the title. When will they lose the title? <laughs> Probably before they should. Probably uh, it'll be Chiro Hashimoto and she'll lose it. And then that person will lose it the next time they wrestle Chiro Hashimoto. That's right. Oh, what a what a great story. I mean, I do love Sendai Girls, so I guess I'm making fun of myself here for enjoying it. Yes, I'm not surprised that you hopped in to defend them. As I, <laughs> for, the, for really the first time ever on this show, went very negative. Yeah, and I and I couldn't stand for it. You know, and I will I will say this: they have a great. It's it's partially born out of frustration because they have a great roster. I mean, yes. they have Hashimoto, they have Dash Chizako, they have Mako, they have you know, they have a lot of talented people there. And it, and you watch the shows and you're like, these people could be doing very exciting things if you gave me anything <laughs> that was more than just like, oh, here we go, we're doing another six person tag main event with the sort of the same six people, you know, just reshuffled onto different sides. You know, do one storyline, and we'll talk about it in a second because I'm going to talk about the Seedling show. Because Seedling has been a really great example of they're not they're not doing rocket science here with these things. You know, their storylines are not complicated, whatever. But they're something that hooks you in. Besides, oh, here's five matches that you know with wrestlers that you've seen and you may enjoy them. There's a little bit extra to it. And a lot of promotions, you know, obviously Ice Ribbon always has storylines all over their promotion. So that's a little bit different. But, you know, the addition of Choco Pro, which has storylines they're adding in. I mean, it's not a... I feel like not to be sort of... Be sort of a brat, but I'm not asking for a lot. I'm not asking for, you know, a 10-year backstory storyline. I'm just asking for give me a title, you know... I don't even remember when the last time the title was defended. It might have been the second Siri match earlier this year, I think, right? That sounds know. right, but they have but they I mean didn't run a lot, you know. Yes, so. to be fair, they haven't run. Um but yeah, I think that's my you know, I'm very happy, I'm very glad that they have put a lot of stuff on YouTube. It's been very easily accessible and easy to see. I'm always grateful for the promotions doing this, especially during a time when a lot of them, as we mentioned, are struggling for income. Um, but yeah, just, just really wish. I mean, I also think it's an atmosphere thing where the atmosphere of the show also sort of sucked the, when you don't hear anything except sort of the wrestlers in the ring and the air conditioning unit, it's hard to really get fired up about what's happening. Uh, you were, I believe, right that the last, Sendai Girls World Title match was against Shuri um, in March, but <laughs> is this true? the the one The last one they have before that was 
Hashimoto versus Sare in October of 2019. Have they literally only had... Are we coming up on a year and they've had two title matches? It can't be true, right? I think it might. I think it might be true. Now, to be fair, as you mentioned, they haven't. Run, they didn't run shows for about five months. You know. Yeah, but, but they were running shows uh, between October and March. Well, didn't they run the the ser- the the first series match was in the- that was a that was a non title match. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For some reason, I thought that was for the title, but then yes, you are correct. In in one year, they've run <laughs> two, two title games. matches. That's insane. Yeah. Wow. So, thank you for see you started against me, and then <laughs> I slowly worked on you. And now it you're is, on my side. It's so funny going back through their uh, champions because it goes Hashimoto, Aja Khan, Hashimoto, Hiroyo Matsumoto. Hashimoto, uh, Ayoko Hamada, Hashimoto, Sare Hashimoto. <laughs> Literally, she is every other champion. Yeah, the title and the tag title history is is um, even more sort of bizarre with people winning it and holding it for like 200 days but not having any defenses <laughs> and then losing it on their first. It's just, it's very, it's the whole thing is very strange to me because it seems like it feels a little bit like, you know, Sendai Girls was one of the first promotions to be born during the quote unquote dark times of Joshi in the mid 2000s, where I think part of it was just like, hey, we're, pre- we're presenting Joshi and not a lot of places are, so you should come watch us. And they had people, you know, they had Mako, who obviously, has a following and is very well known. And it just feels like we're now at a point where Joshi is, you know, we have a symbol happening as we talked about. We have promotions, you know, got a move doing Chaco Pro during this time and really doing a lot of things. Seedling really growing very fast after now it's their fifth uh, anniversary. And it just feels sort of like Sendai Girls is still stuck in the mode of, Oh, there isn't a lot of Joshi to see, so just come watch us wrestle some matches, and that will, you know, satisfy the audience's itch to watch Joshi wrestling. Um, but yeah, but moving on um, to the other spectrum, we'll we'll talk about the Seedling fifth anniversary show that was on YouTube, aired live on YouTube, very excitingly, uh, from August twenty sixth. Aaron, I know that you watched. Uh, this show as well. What were your thoughts on this show? Uh, I, I mean, this just shows that I'm uh, very dumb, which I think I've said three times on this show so far. It's just true. I don't know. They got me hyped up. Fifth anniversary show. I'm like, got to watch this immediately. Turn it on. And it was just like a good little show that perhaps if I hadn't gotten myself so hyped up for it. Uh, I mean, I knew, you know, I could obviously look at the card and see if there weren't like uh, big, huge title matches on there. But I just thought like the working level would be uh, a little higher. Uh, but no, it was just uh, you know what you expect to see when somebody shows up at uh, Shinjuku Face. So uh, it was a good show, but nothing that that blew me away for sure. Well, I'll say that I I really loved the opening and I loved the main event. I went four stars on both, so I actually thought it was um, very good. Now Seedling is my favorite promotion, so I'm a bit biased. 
but I thought it was it was a fun show that I think sets a lot sets into motion. As I mentioned, you know, they're doing sort of they were a promotion that for many years was sort of this, you know, oh, dream match promotion, or they would bring in people and, and Nanai would wrestle them, you know, great Sasaki, uh, great Sasuke, um, and things like that. Now they've sort of started bringing in, you know, it started with the with the titles. They've started bringing in stories. Now they're sort of doing these. They have a big tag title story running with a bunch of teams um, sort of vying for the next shot at Yoshiko and Hiroya Matsumoto. Um, so I think it was a lot of fun. Um, I would sort of agree with you, Aaron. If you went in expecting sort of a Corican level blow away show, you might not have gotten that. But I think in ring it was very good. And obviously the big uh, news coming out of the show is the return of Sari to Seedling. Uh, quite shocking. You know, when she, she was originally with the promotion in its founding um, and left after a few years. And the reports were that it was not exactly a uh, friendly split. WWE had come to Japan and asked her to be in the first May Young Classic, and Seedling had said no, that she couldn't go, and they wouldn't let her go. Um, I think some animosity formed. She wanted out of Seedling, and I believe the company that backs Seedling is the same company that backs Diana, and they said, well, you can't leave, you can only leave Seedling if you then go to Diana and work in Diana. That's what she did. She ended up working in Diana up until the time when she was supposed to leave for WWE and then obviously didn't. So I, I have to say I was watching the show and they opened with the package of sort of the, the history of the promotion. And I did notice while the package was airing that they showed Sari quite a number of times, uh, which sort of caught me off guard because she's, they haven't totally scrubbed her from the promotion or anything like that, but she's not often mentioned in sort of the history of the promotion. So that sort of raised my antenna. And then obviously at the end of the show, she came out to confront Yoshiko for a title match, hit her with a uh, bouquet of flowers. They cut promos on each other and they will be having a title match at the end of September. So that I am very much looking forward to. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it got me fired up to see uh, to see that match. They're doing it twice, right? They are. They're doing a non-title singles match, uh, and we'll talk about that in the upcoming shows. And then they will be having a title match at the end of at the end of the month. So, you know, I have a feeling that this is Seri has limited time. You know, get her in, get the matches out there, draw the fans in, and then she'll go on and either leave seedling to go in other promotions or to finally head to WWE. Although I got to say no reaction to Surrey coming out. <laughs> yeah, it was quite surprising. You know, I don't know if it was because it was a limited crowd or because of the way that, you know, she sort of left the promotion. I don't know if it was fans going, Oh, this person who sort of left the promotion while it was still growing is back. I don't know the reason behind it, but yes, I was quite surprised. I actually rewound thinking I had missed the reaction <laughs> to her coming out. It turned out I hadn't missed the reaction. Um, it was just, there were, so, there were a few claps. Um, yeah. That was really it, which, which was fairly surprising to me. And she's like, uh, sorry, Like <laughs> anybody. 
hello <laughs> very funny uh but yeah i mean i agree with you that the the opener and the main event were both quite good you know that i don't really like that style of match uh in the opener it's not my favorite style of match but i thought this was like maybe uh, the best version to me of, of that style of match something that i really liked so yeah i agree i just um i don't know you're like your big seedling shows, your main event is going to be like a four and a half star match. You know, it's going to be like a match of the year contender. And uh, you didn't really have that on this show. Uh, yeah, but I guess that will lead us into the upcoming shows because the first thing we already talked about, obviously, Stardom has a lot of five star shows coming up. But Seedling, their next show is at Shinkiba. And it will be that first Yoshiko versus Seri match, which will be non title. I believe it's a 20 minute time limit so they may end up going to a draw um, or maybe Seri wins to give a little bit of uh, doubt for the title match the other big match on that card is going to be the team of best friends uh, Arisa Nakajima and Tsukasa Fujimoto versus the Mac Max Voltage team of Ryo Mizunami and Miyuki Takase uh, these two teams had a sort of face-off at that fifth anniversary show both claiming uh, that they deserve the next shot at the tag titles. So this will be a number one contender match for those tag titles. Uh, Tokyo Joshi has some shows coming up um, on September 12th, 13th, and 21st. But to my knowledge, nothing has been announced for those shows. I don't think there's going to be anything major happening on those shows. Um, Sendai Girls is going to be doing, I guess this is... Um, Maybe I'm eating my own words and within minutes, but they will be running the uh, rookie tournament semifinals and finals on September 21st and 22nd. Uh, one thing to note about that is they those will be on a pay-per-view system, uh, Zyko. So each show will be 2,500 yen, which is about $25 uh, each. And they have announced that those matches, those shows will not be going up on YouTube. So that will uh, unfortunately be the only way to watch those Sendai Girl shows. There are a lot of promotions. Uh, we talked about before Ice Ribbon has their own Nico channel where their shows are an extra cost. Uh, Sendai Girls running these shows that are an extra, not an extra cost, but require some payment to watch. I think a lot of promotions are trying. Um, to do these sort of pay-per-views to raise some extra revenue that they're losing because there's less people in the venue. Um, so we'll see how all of that works out. Ice Ribbon has two uh, big shows coming up in Skip City on September 13th. Uh, the tag champions Haragi Kurumi and Mochi Miyagi will be defending their titles against Akane Fujita and Asahi. So that should be a good match. And then their next Korokin show is on September 20th, Ribbon Nights 2020, which will have two big title matches, Risa Sarah versus Siri for the Fantastic Ice title. Uh, the gimmick this time, as I think we've mentioned in the past, this title is sort of like the DDT Extreme title where it's a different stipulation for each match. This will be a no ropes lumberjack match. So that will be um, interesting to see. I don't know that I've ever, I don't know that there's ever been a no ropes lumberjack match. Uh, so that will be 
fun to see. And then Suzu Suzuki will make her first defense of the Ice Ribbon Infinity title against Sakushi. That should be a really fun match. Uh, Diana has a show on September 13th, but they don't have a card announced yet. And finally, a few more shows. Actress Girls has a show on September 16th, which will which will be headed by a number one contenders match for the Actress Girls title between Misa Matsui and Kakaru Sekaguchi. That should be a really fun match. The winner will go on to take on Miyuki Takase at some later date for the title. Either one of those winning, I think, would make for a great title match. So that should be a fun show. Marvelous uh, announced September 11th, Rin Katakura is returning her first match after 15 months out injured. Uh, For those of you sort of newer to Joshi, Rin is really great. She was in a tag team with Takumi Aroha called Nutra, uh, which was really great. uh, Nutra was the thing that got me into uh, Marvelous in the first place. They had some Great matches actually in stardom um, at the time. That was really great. I'm really excited. Rin's back. Mio's back. So Marvelous now will be full strength. I think they've got a great roster. Um, A lot of the younger rookies that they've had, uh, Maria, Meiho Shizuki, Makoto Shindo, are reaching the point where they will be hitting or have already hit, in the case of Makoto Shindo, their two-year anniversary and will be receiving – will be moving out of their rookie gear and into official um, their official wrestling gear. So that's quite exciting. That 9-11 show, another show that is being offered on pay-per-view on Pass Market. A lot of different, you know, we're all learning about all these different Japanese pay-per-view options. Um, that will be airing on Pass Market for 3,000 yen. And it is said that it may air on their fresh live service at a later date, but that's not for certain. So if you want to see that, uh, I would recommend you can go to the Marvelous Marvelous Twitter um, account and find all the information about purchasing that show. They made it so that um, international fans can buy the show. There was initially some confusion about that, but they've sorted that out and you should be able to buy the show. And finally, the last show is Wave has a show September 18th at Corican Hall. Now, this is supposedly going to be Hero A's retirement, uh, attempt number three, as her first two retirement ceremonies were canceled for various reasons. Hopefully, this one goes off without a hitch and will be main evented by Hero A and Nagisa Nozaki against Kaori Yoneyama and Miyuki Takase. So, once again, Uh, We're definitely back in the swing of things with Joshi. A lot going on. We'll have a lot to cover um, next week with all of these shows, as well as the shows, as we mentioned, that happened uh, last week or the week before that will be airing uh, in the next two weeks. So exciting times. Yeah, we'll see what all uh, is on tape by the time we record again so that we can talk about a lot of it. Uh, There will also be, gosh, yeah, the five-star Grand Prix will be over the next time we record. So I'm sure we'll talk a lot about that. Um, and that should cover basically what we're going to talk about on the next show and what we had for this show. So I just remind everyone that you can follow us on Twitter at JBombAudio. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Taylor is at Tay Mambo. 
You can subscribe to the show. Please give us a five-star rating. Give us a review on the Apple Podcast app. And uh, if you're feeling generous, you can donate to the show at redcircle.com slash shows slash jumping dash bomb dash audio. Anything else you want to add, Taylor? I think that's it. I think we covered it all. Okay. Well, I guess that's all. And we'll see you in two weeks. Bye-bye.